Happy Friday to all my fellow 101 History Podcast listeners out there. It's great to be back on the air. And what do you know? We are now at the epilogue of I Am Murdered, Bruce Chadwick's novel of George Wythe, Thomas Jefferson, and the killing that shocked a new nation. We have really learned a lot about George Wythe. On the other hand, I know most of you whom have been um, listening to this uh, podcast series since um, we first began uh, this uh, book discussion probably have known all along who George Wythe is. But at the same time, I have no doubts that many of you learned a great deal about George Wythe that you probably didn't know before. Even when I read this book for the first time two years ago, I uh, learned things about him that I did not know beforehand. So, I can honestly say there's nothing wrong with that. It's easy to assume that sometimes when you think you know everything there is to know about a historic um, place, or let alone someone of historic significance, you might find more often than not there are other elements to someone that uh, you did not know beforehand, and once you learn about those um, new uh, features or um, new information, then you can uh, pass it along to others who would find it uh, worth learning about themselves. Of course, that's the uh, unique thing about history, even if it's sometimes not the not so uh, pleasant side of it. Uh, regardless, you know, history does have to be taught even when it's at its best and when it's at its not so best. The bottom line is, you know, we can't ignore anything of uh, historical significance regardless of the outcome. So in other words, yes, you know, some of us could say, well, gee, I really don't want to learn about this because it's depressing. Well, yes, it can be depressing, but it's not something that can be ignored, kind of like the Holocaust. Uh, someone once told me when they went to the uh, Holocaust Museum in D.C. Uh, many years back that after seeing all of the uh, horrors whether it was um, in pictures or let alone um, recordings of those who might have survived or anything that would have um, shaken one's nerves that um, this person told me that um, he had to uh, go do something positive afterwards. In other words, he knew that what he needed to see could not be ignored and that it was a part of history, but he knew after seeing all that he had um, learned that he didn't know beforehand, uh, he knew that he needed to uh, switch gears right away. So the bottom line is this, folks, we must always keep in mind that while history is valuable and it is fascinating, but at the same time there are elements of history that are um, what you call, uh, what we call dark chapters that um, cannot be ignored. And, um, you know, for example, like the Holocaust, that's something that um, we still cannot ignore um, to this day. Well, what are we going to be discussing in uh, Bruce Chadwick's I Am Murdered with regards to the epilogue, meaning the end? I mean, after all, haven't we covered everything there is possible to cover? Oh, absolutely. But I think it would be worth sharing with you all, my fellow listeners, about what happened to the medical trio as well as the men who defended George with Sweeney after this trial came to a quick end 
and even learn about George Wythe Sweeney himself and what happened to him after his, the trial of his uh, great uncle was uh, botched. I mean, it was bad enough that his great uncle's autopsy was botched, but it's fair to say that even the trial itself was botched from the get-go. So, let me all let me ask you all the following here: Did the medical trio of doctors James McClurg, James McCall, and William Fauci remain intact despite their gross mishandling into George Wythe's autopsy, or let alone his botched autopsy? I wished I could say no, but the answer is yes. For starters, they all went right back to working as if nothing ever happened. Dr. McClurg remained a top-skilled doctor in the nation, and by 1820, he became the first president to the Medical Society of Virginia. Now, I will admit that's a nice honor, but at the same time, you know, it's one thing to um, earn uh, positions or unique position titles, Sometimes you have to ask yourself, at what expense does it come at? On the other hand, though, I think it's probably fair to say that while, yes, many people were shocked and outraged that George Wythe's um, death uh, did not result in the verdict, in a guilty verdict, the, the bad part, though, too, about it is that many of those people probably didn't know just how... Um, complicated Virginia's laws had been for nearly three-fourths of a century with regards to not allowing slaves to testify against uh, white against their white counterparts in a court of law. And as I mentioned from the previous podcast, yes, I think it's fair to say that the jury really did want to believe that George Wythe Sweeney was guilty. But at the same time, the evidence itself was tampered with. The doctors didn't help out by saying that they weren't 100% sure that if Mr. With himself had died from arsenic, but then again, even they didn't perform a full autopsy. So, so in other words, you know, while yes, Dr. Um, McClurg has received a very um, distinguished honor for being uh, president of the Medical Society of Virginia, I still think it's very unfortunate that, um, you know, here they are doing their work, but yet, who's to say that they are any better later on down the road than they were leading up to the uh, botched autopsy? In other words, did you almost have to wonder, did the medical trio even learn from their mistakes? Something tells me that maybe they didn't. After all, they didn't like the fact that outsiders um, wanted to give them advice on how to go about doing uh procedures differently compared to before. They obviously didn't like the fact that outsiders might have questioned some of their um, old practices. So if you're going to keep questioning what the outsiders have to say, then how are you going to be any better in your um, craft or let alone your trade down the road in the future compared to where you stand now? There's, it's what I call a double-edged sword. You know, it, it either works for you or against you. As for Dr. McClurg, he remained at, well, not Dr. Clurg, we already discussed him, pardon me. Uh, as for Dr. William Fauci, 
He followed Dr. McClurg's footsteps by becoming the second president of the Virginia Medical Society, along with overseeing a successful medical practice which enabled him to become one of the wealthiest doctors in the nation. Well, I think it's wonderful that um, he that his practice became so successful to where he became one of the wealthiest doctors in America. I often wonder if all that fame in terms of wealth bought him happiness long term. I would suppose so. Uh, after all, I mean, nothing was mentioned at the end of this book stating that, um, that he uh, squandered all of his fortunes. Because sometimes we know uh, for a fact where people who have a lot of money squander it and let alone blow it for all the wrong reasons. But as for Dr. McCall, or let alone Dr. James McCall, whom was um, the nephew to Dr. James McClurg, over time he became one of the South's most well-respected doctors, and he founded the greatest family medical dynasty in the United States. So he went on to have um, uh, a whole sl tr slew of uh, members in his family who uh, went on to become doctors. Nothing wrong with um, having a medical dynasty. I almost wonder were any of these doctors within his family any better than um, Dr. McCall himself? I don't know, but you would hope that um, if they were any better that, than um, Dr. McCall himself, that, uh, that they would have uh, learned how to do an actual autopsy without botching it, or let alone um, be willing to learn um, new... Um, what do you call it, measures from other doctors who were uh, successful in areas that perhaps this trio, whom claimed to be successful and knew everything there was, but in reality they didn't, um, perhaps they didn't um, want to admit that there were flaws in their knowledge of medicine. And while many people were angry over how Wythe died, as I said earlier, to to the irrelevant laws on Virginia's books regarding slave codes, sadly there was little to none that they could do to overturn the jury's verdict. So, you know, no matter how angry and, and upset you are with how the jury reached their decision on this um, matter, it's like what John Adams famously said after the Boston Massacre trials of 1770, Emotions themselves cannot override the facts. On the other hand, though, uh, the Boston Massacre trials and George Wythe's trial were two entirely separate matters. On the other hand, there were plenty of facts in George Wythe's trial, along with credible testimony. But sadly, um, even that alone was a good example of where ignorance took over to where um, nobody really wanted to allow the truth to be revealed as to how uh, Mr. Wythe died. Now, as for um, the men whom defended George Wythe Sweeney, being Mr. William Wirt and Mr. Edmund Randolph, what about their uh, life after this trial? Well, William Wirt, whom was the lead defense lawyer, he did get the attention and fame he was ever so desperately wanting. Remember, folks, this is the guy who um, overcame the stuttering, and he, I mean, he must be applauded for how he overcame the stuttering. He constantly uh, spoke. I mean, he was uh, getting himself into settings where there were people around him 
whom he could speak to directly all the time. Um, had he not done that, who's not to say that he, who's to say that he probably never would have been able to have become a very successful lawyer. So he must be um, applauded for um, his ability to correct his own problems when back then there were no such things as speech pathologists or um, any, any kind of professional who would have been able to have uh, corrected the problem for the individual. So, and of course, Mr. Wirt was also the type who was looking for that almighty dollar. You know, he was working himself to death and so desperately wanted to um, become famous. And it wasn't so much because he took on George with Sweeney. He just wanted to really make a true name for himself, considering the obstacles he had to overcome. And it turns out that um, all of George With's friends... They never held any grudges against um, Mr. Wirt, in large part due to the fact that he represented uh, George with Sweeney. You know, if I was alive back then, I'm sure there probably would have been a side of me who would have thought to myself, is this man crazy? Why should he be representing a, a man whom murdered one of his own family members from within, and not just a family member, but a a member of the community whom everyone looked up to, who had no enemies, whom had not done anything harmful to someone else to where ill will would have um, gotten the better of the uh, other individual. Well, you know, even those whom were uh, dear friends of Mr. Withs knew that um, somebody was going to have to defend George Wyth Sweeney and that George With Sweeney himself did deserve the right to a fair and speedy trial. But on the other hand, who I also have to wonder, did many of George With's friends know what the legal what the outcome was going to be in the end all along? You know, it, it's sometimes you know, it's easy to think, oh, um, let's find out how the jury's going to reach a decision, or if there are certain rules or laws on the books, maybe the jury will think differently and realize that, hey, look who's, it's not so much look who died, but look at how he died. You know, it's wishful thinking, but sadly, even the jury themselves were, the jury themselves knew from the get-go what the verdict was going to be. It's like I said from the previous podcast, why have a trial but then again, you know, a, a beloved man has died. There does have to be a trial. But on the other hand, why did, why did things have to go the way they did in terms of an unnecessary end result? Well, there again, folks, uh, sadly, George With, um, along with Thomas Jefferson and Edmund Pendleton, while, yes, they revised a lot of laws, knowing what they know now or what they knew then, had they kept... Um, the measure on the book for um, stiffer punishments that met um, the criteria for uh, death by hanging, perhaps George With Sweeney would have been hung. But then again, who's to say that he might not have been hung? We'll never know. But at the same time, little did George With know that when these laws were reformed, including uh, sentencing guidelines for um, for crimes in general, 
Little did George Wythe know that he would ever be a victim of crime, not just from the outside, but from within. It's almost as if there was a, um, a ghost. Who knows, maybe a ghost was warning this fella. You know, yes, you can advocate all the reforms you want, but you might want to be careful as to how far you um, push for reforms because some reforms, while they may look great on paper now, but who's to say years from now that if something were to happen to you and the, and the existing laws were no longer on the books in terms of getting um, a death by hanging, how are you going to feel knowing that your killer has walked away scot-free? Ironically, though, for Mr. Wirt, he, served as a, he went on to serve as a U.S. Attorney General to Presidents James Madison and James Monroe. Uh, James Madison was a president of the United States from 1809 to 1817. James Monroe was from 1817 to 1825. So William Wirt uh, became the nation's longest-serving attorney general. As for um, Edmund Randolph, after the uh, Sweeney, after the trial um, of George Wythe Sweeney, Mr. Randolph returned to his law office and went about handling civil suits. He died in 1813, and when he died, his um, debts, or let alone the mishandling of almost $50,000, was still being paid off. And as I had mentioned to you all from a previous podcast, it wasn't until 1856 that the entire debts that were um, at, what do you call it, uh, that were still open were finally paid off. So think about it, folks. It took pretty much about half a century for all those debts to have been paid. And, of course, he had to rely on the uh, Nicholas family, most notably his father-in-law and other family members, uh, to help him um, get through the, um, to, what do you call it, sort out that matter. Now, here comes the big question right here. Whatever happened to George with Sweeney in the years after his trial from 1806? Well, for starters... He was 17 years old in 1806 when he went on trial, but over time he left Virginia and took up residence in Tennessee. And George Wythe Sweeney still remained a, um, how do I call it? He still remained a black sheep, but it's not so much a black sheep. He still remained a troublemaker. He still kept getting into trouble with the law. So, yes, it would we would all like to think, okay, he moves to Tennessee, maybe he becomes, you know, a born-again Christian, maybe he becomes a, a, a different man. No, some behaviors just never go away with people, especially bad behaviors that have um, caused so much uh, strife from within a family that the tone was set long ago to where to where the individual just simply no longer cares about how his or her actions impact everyone else around them. So George Wythe Sweeney um, was still getting into all kinds of um, trouble, which ranging from horse theft to other acts of uh, mischievous behavior that probably would have led to um, being charged with um, misdemeanor-related crimes. However, um, George Wythe, or let alone the Elder Wythe, did get some much-needed justice that he rightly that he rightfully deserved, in large part because of his grandnephew's reckless lifestyle. And he did spend a fair amount of time in jail 
in Tennessee. While Sweeney never served jail time in Virginia, many Virginians whom learned about his time spent behind bars in Tennessee were, um, were overcome with, with emotions of happiness. They were overcome with a state of um, relief. This, to them, had served as a blessing, knowing that some form of justice had been handed down to George With Sweeney, given that Virginia couldn't do it. Yes, we could say they could. They, I think Virginia could have done it, but but had Virginia changed some of its laws with regards to um, slave legal codes, I think there's a good likelihood that maybe George With Sweeney could have gotten some jail time, if not a hanging, at least a couple of years behind bars at best. But to this day, historians, even at the end of this uh, book, um, historians don't have much biographical information on Sweeney. In other words, they know he died at some point down the road, but they're not sure exactly how old he lived to be. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe that's okay because, you know, it was a wasted life for this fella. You know, George With, as I said before, saw a lot of youth whom were troubled, but yet he saw so many of them be able to turn their lives back around to where they got on the right track and made good decisions and made a good name for themselves. For themselves. Sadly, George With Sweeney didn't learn his lessons. He didn't want to learn his lessons, and so therefore uh, he left a bad legacy. It's a bad case of free will, I'll put it to you that way. Now, uh, are there places in Virginia named after George With? Believe it or not, yes. One can venture all the way out into southwest Virginia past Roanoke, um, and just on the outskirts of Blacksburg, where there is a town named Withville, named in honor of Mr. With. And it turns out that Withville is located in With County, which is also named in George With's honor. Uh, With County, if you, uh, given that it's in southwest Virginia, it's not too far from the Virginia-North Carolina line. Um, but as for other counties that surround With, I know you have... Um, Carroll County is nearby, um, Grayson County, um, you've got Bland, uh, Taswell, Giles. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Giles County would be was named after William Branch Giles, uh, who is a, a prominent uh, Virginia uh, politician. Uh, Taswell was named after Littleton Taswell, whom was one of George Wythe's um, law students whom went on to become governor of Virginia, as well as a U.S. senator. And then you have um, Bland, named after uh, Richard Bland, who was a very prominent uh, Virginia statesman. So when you uh, look at the map of Virginia, and um, one thing to know is that the counties that are in the eastern part of Virginia, or what we would have referred to as at one time Tidewater, the Northern Neck, those counties would have been named for towns or uh, places in Eng that um, where people from England came from, most notably like Suffolk, uh, Sussex, Surrey, Essex, uh, Southampton. But if you go into uh, southwest Virginia or most notably into the western part of Virginia, a fair number of your um, 
towns and um, cities are, on one hand, are, yes, named after um, places in England, but they are primarily uh, named after uh, places, or named after people, let alone uh, famous people, as I mentioned, with uh, like Littleton Taswell and um, William Branch Giles and Richard Bland. If you go into southwest Virginia, there's Washington County, which is named after George Washington. There's also Bristol, Virginia, which is which happens to get its name from Bristol, England, which is located in southwest, on the southwestern uh, neck of England. And what do you know, uh, Bristol being in southwest Virginia. So there's a, a unique, unique comparison right there. So yes, uh, if you do travel into with, I've never been to Withville, Virginia, but if you do ever go there, think of George Wythe. And when you do visit Colonial Williamsburg, I can tell you this much here. When you go to the Wythe House, I want to, and I had to be reminded of this. Uh, I did, I did talk to a couple of um, docents or um, what do you call it, um, interpreters at the Wythe House, and while they do know about this book, I know that one one of the people there. Um, told me that they did enjoy reading the book and did learn a lot about what happened to Mr. With. The person did tell me that while, yes, it is something that cannot be ignored and should be discussed, their focus is, their focus revolves around, um, around the legacy that Mr. With himself um, created the legacy he left behind, but also Mr. With as a man whom was a um, a prominent uh, figure in Williamsburg and how he went about transforming young men's lives, most notably like that of Thomas Jefferson, John Marshall, James Monroe, to Henry Clay, and countless others, to say the least. So, like I said, when you go to uh, Colonial Williamsburg and you visit the Wythe House, well, yes, how George Wythe died was very tragic. But when you do go, my best advice to you all is to focus on all things relevant, and that is the, the great legacy that this man left behind. And his not only just in Colonial Williamsburg can Mr. Wythe's legacy be felt, but it can also be felt as well as is in Richmond, the present-day capital. Yes, Richmond was the Wild West during the years that Mr. Wythe lived there, but he did love the city. And, it, and when he was uh, named uh, to the uh, Chancery Court, a few years after he was named to the Chancery Court, he decided that um, moving to Richmond was the best thing for him, considering that he had lost his wife, of thir nearly 32 years, and plus two, the travel was a little bit too much to where he just felt it was time to move and get a break from the past. Not, not only escaping uh, the loss of his wife, but also making amends with how he was able to break away from slavery altogether. Of course, it was still in existence in Richmond, but remember folks, George Wythe did have enough time on his side to where he was able to make a complete break with it. He went as far as advocating simple abolition to where slaves would know, would not need to be deported or sent somewhere else and, uh, and that they could still live within their community 
but as free people. And George Wythe's legacy can also be felt in Philadelphia, where he was one of 56 men whom signed the Declaration of Independence, a document that defied all odds in declaring our separation from England. Benjamin Franklin said it very well, We shall all join together as one or hang separately. In other words, if you're for independence, then yes, show, show us that you are all for, for the cause of being uh, unified. Show us why you are against taxation without representation. Show us why you do not like what the king has done in terms of taking away your personal, taking away natural rights and freedoms that nobody else should take away from you on, regardless of the matter. And as for the part where Franklin said, hang separately, well, if you're not for separation, then why are you here? And if you choose to not sign this document, by hanging separately, you're going to have to explain why you didn't do it. And of course, there were men who did not sign. They uh, left at the last minute and were replaced by others who did. Of course, this was no easy, um, what do you call it, decision for many. But George Wythe was not afraid to take a stand in, in, in making it known why he did not like how uh, the Crown and Parliament had treated their 13 uh, subjects being the colonies. If you were to uh, ask me, who do, who do I think was truly responsible for Wythe's death? I mean, yes, we know his grandnephew poisoned him. But who do you think really was at fault? I mean, yes, we already know that there are some laws on the books that um, were outdated and, in my eyes, were irrelevant that could have been, you know, modified to where... We could have gotten a guilty verdict out of George Wythe's grandnephew. But if you asked me who truly was at fault, if I had to pick one party that was at fault for this, I would say the medical profession. There are a variety of reasons I could go into for that. I've discussed them in many other uh, podcast sessions. After all, they were the best medical trio, not only in the United States, but around the world. You would have thought that, you know, Having gone to medical school, and not just medical school, but learning what was in front of you in terms of how to go about conducting an autopsy, you would have thought that they would have wanted to have helped Mr. With. You would have thought that maybe they would have wanted to have gotten to the, the true end result. You would have thought that, okay, maybe they would have had enough common sense to realize that, hey, even if he had been poisoned that perhaps the right um, dosage, or perhaps the incorrect dosage was put into his substance. Remember, folks, um, just because you put some uh, arsenic into one's coffee, it doesn't mean you, that they're going to die right away. George With Sweeney didn't even come close to getting the accurate amount of um, grains needed to eliminate um, the rest of the household. Um, usually, if you put nine grains of arsenic into um, a liquid substance, that's about 200 milligrams right there, that would kill someone within 
a short amount of time. So the doctors didn't, the doctors were ignorant, basically. They just did not seem to give, they didn't really seem to give, they didn't seem to care about about George Wythe. They didn't seem to care about the fact that he lingered around a lot longer than what orig than what previous uh, results um, concluded. In other words, the medical profession said that, hey, he was poisoned. He should have died two to four days afterwards. Why did he linger for two weeks? It makes no sense. Remember, folks, the right... the the dosage amount that was required didn't even come close. Um, I think that the doctor's attitudes towards this whole matter, it reminds me of something that would um, coincide in the late 19th century. And I do believe this is important to share because um, there is a term, or not so much a term, but a phrase. It was coined um, shortly after President James Garfield died. The phrase was called, ignorance is bliss. To make a very long story short, George Wythe, as we all know, died, um, yes, he was poisoned, but could the medical profession have done more to have saved his life? Yes, and could they have done more to have gotten uh, the autopsy right? Absolutely. Well, when James Garfield was president of the United States, he was shot by a uh, deranged man named Charles Guiteau, whom, whom was convinced that James Garfield had promised him a, a, a cabinet position. James Garfield never knew the man. Charles Guiteau had constantly be, been coming into the White House wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, and so finally, after not being heard for so long, he had stalked James Garfield, and the Secretary of State was with him, and Mr. Gateau shot James Garfield from behind. But the irony to it all was that historians know that Garfield's first words were, uh, he didn't say, I've been shot. He said, I'm hurting around my legs and feet. Well, what did the medical profession do? They were ignorant. Apparently, um, they were not up to date with the newest uh, medical uh, practices. They didn't like the fact that outsiders were trying to tell them how to do their job or how to improve upon their jobs. And it was one. And here, the medical profession wanted to find where the bullet was in Garfield's body. What did they do? They probed him. In other words, they took a um, they took a device that went inside his body, and they were trying to. Uh, it was almost like a detector, like a metal detector of sorts. But they were trying to find exactly where the bullet was. Well, they kept probing him left and right, to where his immune system was weakened, and he ultimately died because of all the probing that went inside his body left and right. And in the end, when he did, when President Garfield died, the medical profession, when they did their autopsy, they found that the bullet inside, that the bullet inside was behind his pancreas. So in other words, he was never, 
he was a in other words the medical profession failed to to understand that some people can actually live with a bullet wound inside their body but the man whom um was the lead doctor on this was dr willard bliss and dr willard bliss was 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 responsible for basically killing james garfield and that's where you get the term ignorance is bliss of course, when Charles Gateau got put on trial, he the historians know that he said the following, I shot the president, but they killed him. In other words, the medical profession killed the president. So here we go, folks. We have two unique similarities. The medical profession killed George Wythe by not tending to him immediately after he had been poisoned. After all, Mr. Wythe said, I'm, I'm murdered. Um, you know, somebody cut me open. Find out what's wrong with me inside. George Wythe probably knew more about medicine in the last two weeks of his life than the than this famed medical trio could have um, done in terms of reinventing themselves to save a man, uh, not just a prominent status, but a man whom was revered by so many, not just in Virginia, but throughout the United States. Now, if any of you want to know more about James Garfield's assassination, uh, there's a great book uh, written by Candace Millard that I read four years ago, Destiny of the Republic, A Tale of Madness, Medicine, and the Murder of a President. And that's where the term ignorance is bliss comes about. So we all should just keep in mind, as I've said before, that famous people don't always die peacefully. George Wythe didn't. Could he have uh, lived a few years longer? Oh, I believe he could have if the medical profession had, had tended to him immediately. But there again, in 1806, we can say that there was a great example of ignorance is bliss. Well, folks, this has been a great series and I have really enjoyed being on the air again, on the air with you all. Uh, I've always enjoyed being on the air, and I will continue to look forward to uh, other um, upcoming um, book uh, sessions. And it won't be long before I, I will be on the air again next. And when I am on the air, I will be discussing the new series that we will be learning about. So uh, continue to fasten your seatbelts because the journey uh, continues um to go forward it continues to go in the right direction and thank you my fellow listeners for uh, being a part of this uh, exciting uh, adventure take care and stay safe and have a great weekend